On today's show, our special guest host is Mina Williams, a longtime resident of the food and beverage industry in Washington and currently owner of Blanc and Rouge in Snohomish. We have scoop on restaurants changing hands, chef changes, and an important wine anniversary. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... The Paragon Bar and Grill, your Upper Queen Anne destination for lunch, teeny time, evening entertainment, and weekend brunch. For two decades, the Paragon has served as the go-to neighborhood location while welcoming others from all over the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Visit them online today at ParagonSeattle.com. Hi, this is Harry Mills from Purple Cafe and Wine Bar. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the April Seattle Dining Show, number 1904. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining, and our guest host, Mina Williams. Welcome, you guys. Oh, it's great to be back. Great to be here again. Yes, this is your second <laughs> appearance. We had so much fun last time. <laughs> this time, we're making you work a little more, so we're going to head into our monthly discussion. And I was reading about um, someone's opinion about wine ratings. So I wanted to get your opinion on it. They were talking about the 100-point system, and people are like, oh, my God, you know, if it's not 90-plus, don't drink it or something. And so he was kind of saying, you know, is it a comparative tool or is it truly objective? Is it better to figure out which writers kind of have a palate similar to yours or go with everybody? How, what are you thinking? I don't like ratings at all. Ah, okay. <laughs> I think there's something for everyone mm -hmm. and that most people develop – their likes and dislikes yeah. by simply drinking. Exactly. And you don't have to drink $50 bottles. There are, there's a plethora of 15 and $20 bottles mm -hmm. that um, are just as fancy for a Friday night yeah. as a $100 bottle. I got a, I think it was a $10, was it Barbera that I got from you when yeah. we were out there? And mm -hmm. it was delicious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it depends on your palate. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to use the ratings, it's much like a movie critic or a restaurant critic. Right. You find someone who parallels where your palate is. Mm -hmm. And then you can use that just as a tool. It's not a be-all and end-all. Yeah, but generally we think the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, for example, a dear friend of mine was a restaurant critic. Mm-hmm. And when she just exuded exuberance <laughs> about a particular restaurant, I knew I would not like it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who you didn't really eat that much with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other times when she'd say, oh, it was okay, it was nice, then I knew that was one I needed to go to. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, people who collect will be striving to get as many 100-point, 90-point yeah. wines as possible. So it sort of depends on your use of the wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. But I think what some collectors 
mistakenly do is they buy a hundred or ninety point wine, ninety two, whatever, and they store it. And a lot of wines weren't that are grown here in the state are not really made to be stored. They're made to be drunk fairly soon after they're bottled, right? That most American wines are ready to go. Yeah. Uh, a few exceptions would be the Napa cabs. But um, our producers in the States understand that Americans are impatient and <laughs> they want to buy that bottle and enjoy it that night. So they've constructed their wines so in, just, in that way. I just want to put out a public service announcement right now. If you're a collector and you've been collecting a lot of 92 plus point wines from the United States and now you have a backlog in your cellar that you're never going to get to, just give me your address. I'll be right over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't – I think the other thing too is if you have a wine shop or a a wine retailer you like and and you go, it's near your home or something like that or, you know – You've got to go to Snohomish to Blanc and Rouge. Don't you as a retailer get to know your customers? I mean, you've told me one story about somebody that that came in and bought the same bottle of wine over and over again, and slowly you've been able to get them to try some different things. Yeah. And they've changed what they buy. Yep, So it seems to me that that's kind of a better way than just going by ratings, too. Go by someone who knows you. Someone who knows you, uh, someone that if you don't like it, you can go back and say, that bottle I got last week really didn't hit the mark. Yeah. And this is why. Exactly. Uh, You know, it was too acidic. It was too high in alcohol. Mm -hmm. What, you know, whatever put you off. Yeah. Um, And then they can steer you in another direction. It's, you know, in in today's high-tech world, you sort of uh, forget about the Mm -hmm. high-touch that a wine shop or a local wine steward can bring you. Um, It's not as convenient as getting a case of wine delivered to your front door, but um, I think it can be a whole lot more individual. Mm -hmm. And even on the, the, like, wine clubs that let you choose, that they don't don't send you six bottles or whatever – even when you choose, if you haven't tried them, right, and, and maybe it's a new wine club for you, you don't have a history of kind of knowing what you like right. of, of their wines. So you don't really know what you're getting, and you're not going to be able to send them back. And, and um, in our little shop at Blanc and Rouge up in Snohomish, um, we taste every single bottle that we bring in. Mm. It's, you know, we're not buying anything blind. Yeah. Um, we also work with about you know twelve to fifteen different distributors in importing houses. Okay. So we're tasting an awful lot of wine week in and week out. Yeah. Um, you know, just like anybody, we're developing our palates mm-hmm. as you go along. Just if you want a better palate, drink more wine. <laughs> There's so many reasons to drink more wine, really. <laughs> and, of course, we don't drink. <laughs> we do spit, um, which which is acceptable in polite company. Yes. <laughs> so in this, in this high-tech day and age, is there a probe that I can purchase and Bluetooth it to my iPhone and stick it into some wine and get sugar and acid and alcohol? Maybe you should work on that, Tom. Yeah. 
Okay, I own that idea now. We are going to be rich. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, when you deal with distributors, do they just take your order when you want something, or do they do they suggest things by ratings, or do they market their stuff by, you know, this is a 92 plus? The, the distributors that we deal with have very, very, very uh, informed representatives. Okay. They bring everything. Mm. They bring the bottle. They bring the winemaker tasting notes. They bring any anecdotal information, you know, mm. if it's organic, biodynamic, if mm-hmm. it's fifth generation, um, if it's on a particular type of soil. Oh, okay. Um, what famous vineyards might be next door. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because <laughs> that's a great way to find a bargain. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, this is just across the river from Chateau Neuf de Pop. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the same soil. <laughs> um, and along with all that does come the ratings. And there's probably 10, 8 to 10 different rating uh, groups. Yeah. So that's the other thing. It depends on what you're looking at and if you're going back and forth. And some of the rating people specialize in just a particular country or oh, just a particular okay. region. Wow. So you get a very in-depth yeah. Uh, opinion. Yeah. Interesting. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, too, that if you don't know what you want or <clears throat> you're afraid to go out and buy you do need to educate yourself, and you can read about things and, and get tasting notes and stuff, but I think what you said earlier is the way to go. Just go taste. Yeah. And I, I was thinking, and it's something I don't do, but get a book and write your notes down. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not very good, especially when you first start about saying, oh, it's very earthy or it's acidic or something, you don't, you don't know. But if you write it down and you get to know your retailer, they can say, oh, that vintage of that wine, yeah, that was very acidic. Or that was a year, that was a very hot year, and that caused this. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not the expert, if you just at least keep the name and the vintage and liked it, didn't like, and kind of a why. And if you can't keep a book, if you're not that tight, mm-hmm. uh, take a picture with your phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there are some apps that you can download. Yeah. Uh, Venmo is one, okay. um, and you can keep your own oh. kind of wine notes wine on, diary. Yeah. right on your phone. Oh, yeah. And then when you're out and about and you are in Snohomish antiquing and <laughs> just had lunch and you're strolling around and you wander into our shop and go, oh, I remember that bottle. Yeah. Now I wonder if they have it. Oh, I would yeah. buy a whole case. Yes. <laughs> or maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> then you can just pull out your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. Tom tends to talk into his phone a lot, so he'd, he'd be one of those people who would just go to my wine list, mm-hmm. say this, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. That's about all I talk to anymore, <laughs> just my phone. It's the only one who can hear him, and he can hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to places we've been eating. Um one of the things that I did, I've seen this, I think it's been there over a year now, Steak and Shake. It took over the old Bruno's. Do you guys remember the old Bruno's? I work downtown. It's on 3rd Avenue, and it was really sketchy, and one half was Mexican and one half was Italian. Isn't it like right across the street from McDonald's? 
downtown on third? Yeah, uh, close. It's across the street from the bus stop, and and I think yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah. I remember every time I jump off the bus down there to go take the light rail to the airport, I see it. I used to work downtown, and there was a group of us who would eat lunch all the time. We'd go to Bruno's, and one guy, Bruce, would always say, "I just love this place because you know how if you're at the a restaurant around the Fifth Avenue, the lights will dim and tell you that things are about to start. He said, Bruno's dims the light when the when the uh, stripping place is about to start a show. <laughs> so, but anyway, Steak and Shake came. It's somebody that started in 1934 in Illinois, and they call it Steak because it's, you know, I don't know, sirloin or something. And it was fine. If I was walking down the street, had to get something quick, I wouldn't say, oh, my God, I'll never go there again. But it's not going to draw me back. It was, you know, it's supposed to be a very special place, but in the in the Midwest. But all these out of towners coming in with their burger joints, I don't know. Yeah. You know. Now I did go to Burger Madness, which is down by the uh, Costco in the South End. There's a little area right before you hit Costco, and it's there's a Starbucks and a teriyaki place and this Burger Madness. So I went to try that, and it actually was quite good. Their Madness Burger is a burger stuffed with cheese, and they actually warn you to be very careful on the first bite because the cheese coming out is hot. Hmm. And I was in a cheese mood. It was delicious. We did burgers up here like that one day. Yeah. We stuffed them with blue cheese. Yeah. 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 And nobody had to warn you to be careful when you ate it. But nonetheless, it was a very good burger. And then I was out in Bellevue meeting someone to do an interview and we met at third culture coffee which is down by the park on the other side of the of bellevue square mm-hmm. and i thought it was kind of interesting because it's coffee from a bunch of different cultures um like i said do you have something like thai iced coffee and he goes we don't really have thai but the vietnamese coffee is probably the closest and i can ice that for you if you want so they've got all these special um, coffees from around the world. Not you can buy beans that are from around the world, but these are specific ways of making coffee from various countries. They didn't have that coffee where the monkeys eat the beans, and then you get the beans after the monkey digested yeah. them. <laughs> Mine says, "Been there." I have. I have, <laughs> I have one pound in my freezer <laughs> that you haven't been. I, I'm kind of afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't invite us over. <laughs> All right, so that's my story. Where where have you been, Mister? Uh, I went to uh, you and I went to the new place where there used to be a restaurant called es- Esperanza mm-hmm. out on the end of Sunset Hill at the end of Eighty Fifth, near next door to the Vivace Coffee Company, mm-hmm. and the new place is called Lucky Santos. And uh, what is actually it? actually Lucky Santo? Santo, yeah, singular. It's hard to know because they cut off all the letters on the logo. Um, And this is owned by three different families? Yeah, three different people put money in, and it's the one woman chef from uh, Stoneburner. Okay. And then Jason Stoneburner is one of the investors. Mm -hmm. As well as um, Holly Robinson and Ben Captiville of Captive Spirits. So I had a um, roasted chicken. Pan, I believe it. I don't know if it was pan roasted or if it was roasted in the oven. Didn't really look pan roasted. Um, what did you have? I had the clams. The clams. They did clams with. The story behind this place is that this 
chef who was at Stoneburner, which is pretty carb-centric, um, found out she was celiac. So she, they said, let's open a place where it's all healthy, clean food. So it's all gluten-free. So uh, the, the only potatoes they use are purple potatoes, which have a, a lower uh, glycemic load, I guess. 50% glycemic yeah. load. So, takes them um, twice along for them to digest in yeah. your system. And it was it, mine was actually delicious. And you had some uh, Brussels, sprouts. Brussels sprouts on your plate that were They were pretty good. good. Yeah. They went well with the, with the yeah. au jus from the chicken. Yeah. It's a little tiny place. It's not fancy, you know. They had a happy hour, during happy hour, bottles of their house wine are $20. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go have a, it's just beer and wine. Nothing else. Yep. But kind of a Try new spot. wine. Yeah, exactly. We did, too. And how about you, Mina? I've been out of the country for a while. Oh. <laughs> you were dining in Mexico. <laughs> I was. How long were you gone? A couple weeks. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Any place that struck you when you were down there? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere you had to go back again and again? Uh, somewhere where we will go back every year when we return. Wow. Well, go ahead. Give the secret. Yeah. Oh, it's just a, it's a couple from Argentina. And, you know, after so many days of Mexican food, Argentinian food was oh. a nice break. Yeah. And um, it, it'll be fun watching their baby grow up. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> now, can you get good wine in Mexico? Um, most of the wine in Mexico is either from Chile or Argentina. Okay. Um, they're just starting to really do well with wines coming out of Monterey and mm. Cabo. Okay. Kind of just north of Cabo in okay. the Baja. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they're getting their technology perfected, which is a key element in producing wine. Mm. Okay. So after years of producing kind of lackluster dirty tasting wine. They're coming out with some really incredible wines. Oh, wow. That's exciting. <clears throat> so oh. that's something to look forward to. But in the meantime, it's mainly Chilean and Argentinian. Yeah. And they're importing mostly reds, okay. um, at least in the area that I was in. Yeah. I'm sure at, uh, the, at the big places, I know at the, at the big resorts and stuff, they're importing everything. So, Well, a few years ago, I was in Guadalajara, and we had dinner at a very fancy restaurant. It was uh, my birthday. Ah. And on the list was a Pinot Noir from Oregon, and it was Fire State. Oh, how funny. So we had to order it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to support. <laughs> so a little bit of home far away. Yeah, that's funny. Gosh. I got a couple tips on things that are in season. Oh, okay. Um, so halibut's coming in right now, and uh, B&E just got in a large shipment. Uh, they have, what, seven stores around the Puget Four. Sound? Four. okay. So uh, you can look for it there, but the one that came across my news feed here was uh, PCC is carrying what they refer to as a Lumi Island wild halibut. They say it eats mostly spot prawns and dungeness. So is that wild? I, I guess, guess so. yeah. But what are they doing? Scuba diving down there and checking out what the halibut's <laughs> actually eating? <laughs> How rude. <laughs> and you know, the halibut is also known as the right eye flounder. Did you know that? Because it's 
they're on the flat, yeah they, they on the, get on the one side and then the yeah. left eye creeps up onto yeah. the head with the right eye and yeah. I wonder if there's left eye halibut you know like one in ten humans are left handed I've actually so. seen you do that at night the eye thing oh you see me doing when yeah. I do that yeah when you just lying on one side too long. <laughs> All right. Uh, also coming in right now, lots of artichokes coming in. Mm. And uh, although we're a month and a half away from Copper River salmon, the spring Chinook salmon is coming in now. Mm. Yum. So if you're ready to start doing your salmon feeding, now is yeah. the time. You know, we made halibut the other night, and I got that at the Ballard Market, and it was delicious. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was a really nice piece of fish. All right, shall we take a break? And when we come back, we'll look at the latest tidbits from our News Bite file. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients. Let's the food do the talking. From house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, this is Andre from Walla Walla. And when I travel to Seattle, I love to dine at Rock Creek in Fremont. Hi, this is Chef Sarah Lorenzen with Maslow's by Fair Start, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the senior editor. And we have reached the point in the show of our News Bites column. Uh, we keep a running tally of all that's happening with food in the Pacific Northwest on seattledining.com. And click on News Bites. You can see that. You can also join our Twitter feed and get the same information. That's how we kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> so, uh, Connie, what's been going on around uh, Puget Sound and beyond? Boy, lots of stuff is happening. Uh, Maria Hines, you know her from Tilth and Agridolce, and she is selling Agridolce to her executive chef, Thomas Latrenta. He's worked at Westward, Ernst Luff's Agnes, Smania's. hate to say that two of those places are gone. Um, he's going to add some Sicilian-inspired items, but the pastas will still be on the menu that are so loved. He'll be offering dinner and lunch and weekend meals. And Maria still has Tilth, and she's got some new projects coming, so you can keep an eye out for her. Yeah, I was going to say, she's kind of been paring down here. Mm-hmm. Um, she had At one time, she had, what, four different places? Yeah, she had... Um, she had the June Baby or the June Bug? Not the June no, no, Baby, no, that's but the June Eduardo. Bug. That's Eduardo Jordan. That, that's June Baby. Yeah. But she had one called June Bug down in Ballard. Was that what it was called? It was the, yeah. No, it was. The, and then she changed it to something else. She turned it into. She like had a, a Mediterranean place that she turned into an ale house. Yeah. I think June Babe June Bug is not right. Oh, I don't well. know. We'll check it out and find out. <laughs> um, there's a new chef at Nirmal in Pioneer Square, Ashish Bagul. He moved from India to take this on. Nirmal, who was the original chef, was from Mumbai. So that's. Continuing, And then the former DECA Hotel in the U District is now the Graduate Seattle Hotel. That opened recently. And on March 1st, 
The Mountaineering Club rooftop bar opened. It's got indoor and outdoor seating. It's an incredible view. They've got a seafood-centric menu. They've got nine original cocktails. The hotel also has an all-day cafe called Poindexter, and they're planning something called Jengis Cohen, which is an L.A.-based, New York-style Chinese restaurant and music venue. I think that's so funny, L.A.-based, New York-style. Now in the <laughs> Northwest. I, I did see that photograph off the rooftop, and it was quite stunning. It's stunning. You could see all the way across to Bellevue, across Lake Washington. Yeah. And, and yet it makes the Northwesterners comfortable. It's all plaid flannel stuff. You and know? do they check your credentials before you go in? Do you have to be a graduate to get in a hotel? I certainly hope not. Mm. I certainly hope not. Or did they name was... the hotel after that funny movie? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what's happening in the hotel itself. Oh, is a lot yeah. of sketchy activity. <laughs> um, the Woodblock in Redmond owners, Carolyn Tony Scott, are opening a pizza spot called Spark Pizza. It's going to have a fire pit and, coming later, a deck. This should open sometime this spring. And they've put it in a, in a house in Redmond, so it's not in a like strip mall or anything. Oh, that's like back in the old days in Fall City with the herb farm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That was fun when it was out there. Not that it's not great now. Um, in, in the nor- former 95 slide space up on Capitol Hill next door to Red Hook Brew Lap, Amy and John Richards, Stephen Severin, and Lee Sims are opening a bar by the end of May called Life on Mars. Classic cocktails with a few originals, beer and wine, which is going to be mostly local. And um, some of the owners, two of the owners, I think, are vegan. So Chef Joe Ball's food on that menu is all going to be vegan. The whole menu is going to be vegan? That's what I understand. We'll see what happens. I I wonder if they'll be playing lots of David Bowie there because he's the one who wrote the song called Life on Mars. Oh, well, they are music people and they are records are going to cover the walls. So that could very well be. Mm. Yeah. And then for those of you who follow local chefs, you will all remember Chef Peter Burke. He was at Ray's for years, then he went to Harborside, then he went to Boca, then he left town. He went to a resort in the British Virgin Islands. He is now back stateside, and he's the executive chef at Hotel Bellwether in Bellingham. A restaurant called the EC? A restaurant called the EC? No, that stands oh, for that executive, executive chef. Oh, that's executive chef. Yeah. Okay. No, it's just the hotel. I don't know what the name of it is, actually, but it's the hotel at, the hotel restaurant at Bellwether. Mm, we'll have to make another trip up and go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I was talking about when we I were know, up there. I know. You said you want to go see it, and I didn't know why, and we didn't go see it. We didn't go see it. So we'll have to. Another, another walk through Whatcom Falls Park. What can we say? Yeah. That was nice. Um, Park Place at Madison Park on 43rd has new owners, and they're creating a new menu. They do lunch and dinner. Now, is this the one that's in the house? I don't. Well, I don't know. On 43rd, it could be. Because there was, you know, for years there was, what was it, the Madison Park Cafe, and then that became something for a short time. And then she had it for, the woman who bought that had it for a couple years and then sold it. So I don't know, actually, to be honest. And then Atoll is a new restaurant coming to Newcastle in June. The owner is Julio Silva, and he also owns Julio's in Bothell, which I don't know about, actually. You might have to check that out, too. I haven't been to Julio's. Mm-mm. Is it Mexican food? I do not know. Hmm. 
Then Poppy, P-A-P-I, is coming to Kirkland, and that's taking over the Milagro space. Now, I thought that building was getting torn down. Well, that's kind of an interesting thing. I've noticed this lately about a couple places. They move in, and they must get great short-term leases. Short-term lease rates, mm-hmm. because um, I did think that was coming down. Um, and Hector's was going, and so I don't know what's happening. We'll see. And it's all kind of weird, because that building isn't really that old. Mm-mm. But they're going to tear it down because I know they want to take that whole block and exactly. transform it one more time. Yeah, they were talking about making a whole thing there. So, Another thing happening in Kirkland is at the Heathman Kirkland. Um, you know, as time has gone on, Brian, Brian uh, Sheezer was there, and he is he left a while ago. And then somebody else came into Trellis. Well, now they've decided they're going to do a whole new concept. It's going to be called Hearth Restaurant. It's opening in late spring. Seasonal menu, reimagined dishes, open fire cooking, which sounds a little bit like that whole angler thing from San Francisco coming to Bellevue. Um, I hope they have uh, ventilation. I would think so. <laughs> I think Trellis always did. Um, it'll be interesting. I th- they said something to the effect of they were wanted to appeal to everyone or something. I don't know if a seasonal menu that Trellis had, which seemed to be quite good, maybe didn't meet all the guest needs or something. I don't know. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And then the big wine anniversary is that March 23rd was the 36th anniversary of the Yakima Valley's designation as an AVA. That's amazing to me, 36 years. Now, was that Washington's first AVA? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. So okay. this is how much, I mean, what do we have, over 800 wineries in the state now? That's and about, I don't know, 15 or 20-some-odd AVAs now. Yeah. Where so, certain AVAs had to get broken apart from Yakima Valley, mm-hmm. like Red Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was actually different enough. So that's kind of an exciting anniversary, I think. Huh. And then Little Big Bur- Burger is opening on Madison. They were originally out of Portland, and they are on the move. I looked at their website, and they have something in, I think, Colorado and Georgia. So these guys are going big, and I believe there was something about maybe them coming to Kirkland as well. So watch for the little big burger. All righty. Hey, let's take a little break, and when we get back, we'll do the calendar. Okay. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. Hi, this is Laura from Bothell, and one of my favorite restaurants in the Winneville area is Purple Cafe. Hi, this is Linda from Antolin Cellars in Yakima. You are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. back on the Seattle Dining Show. We're going to cover some of the highlight calendar events for the month of April. And uh, as always, you can see all the events that we have listed on our calendar over at seattledining.com. Click on the calendar link 
And at that link, you'll find links to all the different highlights that we're talking about. So mm-hmm. you can get more details with the how to get the tickets or what the address is, that sort of thing. Exactly. So um, today on the calendar, I'm giving myself $200 in fake money. Ooh. And so uh, when we get done with the highlights, I have to pick one that we're going to go to. Oh, I love it. This is kind of fun. And then I'll see if they take my fake money at the door. <laughs> I'm thinking I may know the answer to that, but we'll just see. We'll see. <laughs> So uh, early in the month, on the 4th of April, it's a Thursday, there's a Spring Valley Vineyard Winemaker Dinner at Ivor's Salmon House. Spring Valley is out of Walla Walla. Um, The winemaker, Serge Laville, will be on hand. It's a multi-course dinner by Chef James Somerville, $90 per person. And I do not know about tax and grat. They did not have that information out there, but I'm assuming there would be tax and grat. Usually people will say if it includes it or not. Yeah. So you so may have to make a phone call on that one. Yeah, you probably will unless they're going to listen to this and update. Then um, the big news, of course, in April, it's Seattle Restaurant Week. So from the April 7th through the 18th, which is really kind of two weeks, it's about well, it's really eight days because they do it Sunday through Thursday, $35 for three courses. This year there are over 165 restaurants. Reservations highly recommended. And I know that my take on this has been that I usually go thinking I'm going to do the restaurant week menu and I get something else. But they love it when you do that. I know. But there are – if there's places that you've been wanting to try and, and you can – you know, with three courses, you get a feel for what a salad would be like or an appetizer. and a, you know, yeah, It's like really that. a fun thing to go And you try. actually end up eating a little lighter than you might have eaten that night, and that's never a bad thing when yeah. it comes to dinner. Exactly. Not to say these are like – Sketchy small um, portions, but mm-hmm. but they're you know you can do that and feel good about it afterwards. And then also on those same dates, which I believe is John Sundstrom's uh, answer to Restaurant Week, but Lark is doing a special Taste of Spring dinner. He has his regular menu, but also on these days he's got a special spring dinner option you can choose for forty nine dollars per person. Again, tax and grat unknown. I would doubt that that would include tax and grat. Yeah, I wouldn't. And think the same so. thing on restaurant week is thirty five dollars, and you probably will play ta- pay tax and grat on top of that. Oh, you will. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, as I said, his full menu is available, but also this special spring menu. So that's always fun to see what he has to come up with. Again, reservations highly recommended. Then on Tuesday, April nine. This is a good one. This is where you can put your fake money. It's free huh. cone day at the Bellevue Issaquah Highlands in Kirkland, Ben and Jerry's. And apparently Ben and Jerry's has been doing this. It's an annual event since 1979. It's just their way of saying to their customers, you're awesome. But in addition, they've uh, chosen three nonprofits that they like to assist, and they're hoping while you're there having your free cone, you'll donate a little something to one of those three, or all of those three. I guess I would just pay for my cone and have them put it in, uh, in the, the kitty. Yeah. Well, I, the option, I think, is that if you don't want to donate to any of those three and you put your donated dollars elsewhere, you can still come and have a free cone if you're an awesome customer. Mm. Then on Saturday, April 13th, from 2 to 3 p.m., there's a United Kingdom cheese and Washington wine class at the Walter Clore Wine and Culinary Center in Prosser. 
So this is kind of fun. You know, people know cheddar, which is from the UK, but this will go over a little history of cheese. They'll talk about three cheeses and pair them with Washington wine. If you're a club member, it's 25. If you're a non-member, it's 30. And tickets must be purchased in advance. If you find you can't go, you can transfer those tickets to someone else, but you cannot um, get your money back. And it's 2 to 3 p.m., so you could make a little weekend trip out of it and go out yeah. there and spend the night somewhere and have a nice dinner somewhere locally, too. Yeah, that would be very fun. Maybe more than 200 fake dollars, but we'll see. On Sunday, April 21st, from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., it's the Easter Breakfast Buffet at Sun Mountain Lodge. $21 for adults, eight ninety-five for children, 4 to 12, kids under 4 free. There will be tax and grat added to that. Afterwards, well, um, at 11.30, I should say, there's an Easter egg hunt for kids under 12. They've got overnight packages available, and this is, of course, in Winthrop, which is a great spot to visit. And we don't know if the highway will be open by then or not. Oh, yeah. So you may have to go the long way around. Mm-hmm. Kind of about six to one half dozen the other anyways if you live yeah. in Seattle. And a fun ride, you know. <clears throat> also on the 21st, because we are talking Easter, it's the Easter Brunch at Pearl from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's a three-course brunch menu, reservations recommended. Depending on what you choose, it's kind of a range of $23 to $33, and it comes with scones and an appetizer selection. That should be fun. Bradley always does a pretty good job of coming up with fun things. And then hmm. the, there's the Easter Brunch Buffet at Siren Song Winery, and I, I kind of picked this one out because it sounded fun. It's French-inspired with sparkling mimosa options. This is from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. $35 plus tax. I'm assuming you would always want to do a grat on top of that. And that's in Chelan. So another great All great kinds drive of brunches over. and stuff going on all over the state. Yeah. There's a lot. You know, of course, Easter's brunch, brunch central. So there's lots of things to choose And the prices from. aren't bad. These are pretty good prices. $33, $35, yeah, $21. $21, yeah. I know. Um, there's the the Easter brunch out at um, Barking Frog as well. They do a, a brunch, a seated brunch in the dining room. And then over in Willow's Lodge, they use one of their big ballrooms and do a big buffet. Oh, so, yeah. And they always do a nice brunch over at Salty's. Mm-hmm. Oh, down yeah. Down at uh, Palisade. So much. So much to choose from. On Friday, April 26th at 6 p.m., there's a double back winery winemaker dinner at Coho Restaurant. This is Coho Restaurant in Friday Harbor. So, yes, Not another the one chance in to travel. No. Okay. Um, $55 per person for five courses, and the optional wine pairings are an additional 50 So it could be $105 for you. One seating only. Double Back has four estate vineyards, each with different soil elevation and microclimates. So they have some really interesting wines that they make. So that would be very fun and a nice getaway. Then on Saturday, April 27th, from 7 to 9 p.m., there's a pasta-making cooking class at Sur La Table Kirkland. And what makes this a little different is that it's in conjunction with the Dusted, wine, Dusted Valley wine family. So they're going to all be over doing this class. There's only a few seats left, so if you, if you think this sounds fun, get out there right now. It's 130 per person. But that's going to be a, a cooking class. You're going to have wine. You're going to hang out with the Dusted Valley people who are really fun and nice. So that will be great. 
Then also on Saturday, you might have to make a choice here. No, you don't. You could do both of these. Um, No, you could not. I take it back. It's from 11 (laughs) a.m. to 5 p.m., so time would work, but this is out on the Olympic Peninsula. It's the Wine, Cider, and Cheese Tour by the Olympic Peninsula Wineries. So this is both the 27th and the 28th. It's locally made artisan cheeses paired with handcrafted wine and cider. It's a self-guided tour, nine award-winning wineries and cideries, newly released wines and old favorites. They do have, as well as their local creameries, they do have some cheeses from around the world. And if you get your ticket stamped at all nine locations, you're entered into a drawing for a wine and cheese-themed gift basket. So that's always fun. You could go out and have a great time and then come home with a gift. And we got uh, two more here that are late editions. Oh, good. <clears throat> Uh, the folks at Lombardi's are going to be doing a couple of Boundary Bay beer dinners. First one's going to be Thursday, April 25th at the Everett location. The second one's going to be Saturday, April 27th at the Mill Creek location. So I'm thinking like the Everett location, that's a warm-up for the Mill Creek weekend <laughs> event. Uh, it's going to be a five-course dinner. It's all paired with Boundary Bay wines. Starts at 6.30 p.m. Never mind their Facebook page. Right now it says 6.30 a.m. Uh, but it goes 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., uh, $65 per person, and that includes the tax and gratuity. That's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, we don't know the price on the wine, cider, and cheese tour, do we? No. So here's, 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 my, here's how I'm going to spend my 200 bucks. Okay. Uh, on Saturday, April 13th, we'll do the U.K. Cheese and Washington Wine Class with mm-hmm. Walter Clore. Uh, now, of course, you'll be picking up the hotel room that night because I'm working on my <laughs> budget over here for food. <laughs> and then uh, Sunday, April 21st, the Easter brunch at Pearl. That's two of us for 66 bucks. Probably need to add in some tax and grant mm-hmm. there. And then uh, whatever I have left, I'll, I'll use it to buy tickets for the Winer Side and Cheese Tour. Yeah. So it could be a, a fun April in yes. the Puget Sound. A lot of little traveling and fun stuff. I love it. All righty. Well, we're going to take a, a little break here. When we come back, we've got some wine recommendations for Easter and spring. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, my name's Roland, and I'm from Austin, Texas, and when I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I like to go to the Culture Cheese Club and eat the hot mess with beer, cheese, and beer, and pretzels. Hi, this is Andy Perdue with the Seattle Times, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. You're here with myself, Connie Adams, and Tom Marin. And our guest today is Mina Williams, who's from Blancanrouge and Snohomish. And she has brought three wines for us to chat about and taste that are good for spring and your Easter dinner. What did you bring us? Oh, I brought you some lovelies today. Oh, boy. So, change of the season 
is a change for drinking habits. Mm. Um, whenever I think of spring, I think immediately of pink bubbles. Yes. Just because you have to. <laughs> <laughs> you really must. <clears throat> and then you know, my mind drifts to the bevy of whites that are available. Pinot Grigio, mm. Chardonnay, the Vino Verdes will be coming in from Portugal mm. very soon. You know, there's just tons of white wines. And this is such a, a season that I look forward to all year long. But then there's our red drinkers. Yes. What are they to do? Poor dears. <laughs> Those who only drink red. <laughs> so I brought a few suggestions oh, good. to help those people. Yeah. The white drinkers, they can go anywhere. <laughs> they, there's enough. There's yeah. plenty. And there's plenty of bubbles. But what do you do about red? Yeah. So most of the reds that people enjoy here in Seattle area is Cabernet, mm -hmm. Merlot, you know, the big, the traditionals. bold, beefy boys. Yes. But there are some boys of summer. <laughs> <laughs> they're medium-bodied. Uh, they're light-skinned grapes. They can be fresh and fruity without being sweet and mm. cloying, of course. Mm -hmm. So I brought just three today. I had <laughs> I had about ten, and oh my gosh, I had to get it down. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyone can contact you and find out the other seven. Absolutely. <laughs> so the first one that I brought was a Grenache, mm. and this particular one is from Spain. But there are many, many Grenaches that are produced around the world. There's some Grenache that's grown in Washington, oh. so you can still drink from home. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also Grenache-heavy blends and Grenache-only mm -hmm. um, coming out of France from the Rhone Valley. Um, and those are Grenache, Syrah, and Movedra mm -hmm. okay. blended. Um, GSM for those who GSM. <laughs> wonder what that means when they see it. And uh, the one I brought today is from Spain. Ah. Um, it's just a beautiful wine. Let's taste it. Okay. Here we go. I'm so, getting juicy on the nose. Mm. You'll probably taste dried strawberries, mm. raspberry sauce, little hint of herbs, and uh, perhaps some figure prune kind of in the background, mm -hmm. a little backbeat of fig. Mm. That is really delicious. I got some honey on it. Probably. Yeah. A little honey and a little cinnamon. Well, it is Spanish. has to be zippy. Mm. <laughs> so uh, besides the Northwest and Spain and France, uh, there's also Grenache that comes from Italy. Oh. Um, although it's usually called Cananao, oh. and it's from the island of Sardinia. Oh, Just fun. kind of a wine geek fact. Yeah. <laughs> where does it, where does the Grenache grape grow best? What does it need? Um, it needs sun. Okay. Needs sun. So um, other areas, California and Australia. Okay. So all sunny climates. Yeah. Mm, it's a really lovely Maybe wine. even Cabo. <laughs> Well, they'll figure it out. They just may. <laughs> mm. That's very nice. 
So Grenache is always, it's a great go-to. It goes super with ham. Oh, okay. That's a good Easter one. Yeah. It's, uh, we're recording a show at 11. Yeah, so we're, <laughs> so we're dumping. We're dumping wine. <laughs> Oops. And I'm going to let you all just pour your okay. own. Um, good idea. Yeah. Because there's a lot of wires here on the table. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid of electronics and wet things. Cause <laughs> the place it doesn't grow well is in my mixing board. Yeah. <laughs> and as they say at the shop, I don't pour wine, I throw wine. So, <laughs> so while Grenache is a medium body, uh, the next selection is a light body, and that's Pinot Noir. Mm. And I'm sure everybody here has had an oh. Oregon Pinot Noir. Yes, you bet. That's kind of a national pride issue here. But they can be made so differently. So differently. And really depends on where they have been grown. Um, culinarily speaking, Pinot Noir is a delight because it goes with everything. Mm. Uh, we were talking about halibut earlier mm-hmm. at Lummi Island. Oh. Um, believe it or not, it goes great. It goes great with salmon. Mm-hmm. And it's just as comfortable with a big bowl of beef stew. Mm. Interesting. It doesn't get lost. No, it doesn't. It's okay. a beautiful little chameleon. Okay. So, But so, it's not like really good with a lot of tomato like a, like a bolognese or something like that. Mm, no. I, yeah, it would almost go more of the creamy. Yeah. Creamy foods. Otherwise, you have a war of the acids if you do that, right? Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, So it's real fun where Pinot Noir is grown. We can't really grow it in Washington as well as they do in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, It it just grows much better. It needs a a cool night. Mm. Um, So, for example, Caneros down in California that straddles both Napa and Sonoma, Mm -hmm. it's right on the San Pablo Bay. So every night it gets that fog. Okay. And it doesn't burn off until noon. Wow. (laughs) And then it's hot as all get out. Oh. (laughs) So it gets both. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, So the the places that it grows the best would be, you know, Oregon. Mm Mm-hmm. California, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the in France, there's three regions that grow Pinot Noir: Burgundy, of course, <laughs> the the sense. mother of Pinot. Yeah. Uh, the Loire Valley has a very oh. light, highly acidic Pinot, hmm. um, and Alsace over really? on the German border. Beautiful Pinots. Um, and then there's just the the whole litany of other countries, Chile, Germany, Australia, Italy, and wow. the darling is New Zealand. Oh, really? So to me, New Zealand is the hybrid Pinot. Uh, it takes the best of the new world and the old world and puts it together, and it just makes a glorious wine. I don't think I've ever had a Pinot Noir from... New Zealand. Well, let's change that, uh, Connie. Is that what this is? Mm. No. no. Okay. <laughs> this is from Burgundy, right? Yeah. Oh, this okay. one is from Burgundy. This... I just I decided to bring just a classic Burgundy. Yeah. 
And while most Burgundies, I was tasting a $300 one the other day. Oh, um, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. For not gobbling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a, a beautiful lineup that uh, a, manufact- a, a producer's brand manager uh, had brought by. And there were probably seven or eight. And it was a, a lovely day. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did spit. Um, but this one, this is a, a lower level burgundy. It's $17 retail. You know, you don't have to spend a lot. Yeah. Um, this is another ham favorite, turkey favorite. Like I said, Pinot goes with just about everything. Yeah. If you don't know how to pair wine and you want to impress someone, just bring a bottle of Pinot. Rabbit? Pinot. Duck? Pinot. Because it's Easter, so you got to have rabbit, right? Ooh. Yeah, so and, car- and carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Just no rabbit bullying eggs. No. no. This is, um, I'll try that. Yeah. This is a little peppery, too. It has a... Mm. Raspberry, some black plum, red cherry, um, and cranberry. Mm. The Oregon Pinots, you get... The cranberry and some mushroom, and I pick up some um, cherry cola oh, yeah. in an Oregon Pinot. Generally, <clears throat> I've heard people say that before, and I've never—I don't know in my palate when I taste what cherry cola is. Yeah, try a real cherry cola. Yeah, and then see what imprint that uh, okay. in your palate. Yeah. And um, then try some Pinots from Oregon. Okay. And then you start seeing it, and it, it's oh, okay. really exciting. <laughs> yeah. I like it when I can pinpoint them. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Okay. So, Pinot, light body. This one is fresh. Um, the, the $300 one that I tried mm-hmm. had a lot of mineral and forest floor. Mm. In it, so the old world tends to be more not fruit. Yeah. So if you are one that does not like the taste of fruit, go old world. Go old world. Okay. See, that's another tip that you would get from a retailer or someone who really knows yeah. wine, and so then you can think, okay, you don't get that from me. your online merchant, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good tip. So. Um, then going back to a, a medium body, this is, this is a delightful wine that will take you all the mm. way through the summer. Zinfandel. Oh, yeah. So I classically like to serve this at uh, Backyard Grills. Mm. Um, and it does go good with barbecue. Um, I love this. Do you want to tell people what it is? It's Zinfandel. It's a it's a 2016 Ridge. Oh, yes. Three Valleys Zinfandel from Sonoma, and mm. this is twenty five a bottle. That is really delicious. Which is kind of a great deal for Ridge. Mm-hmm. Because uh, often we see Ridge on a menu at a restaurant for a hundred dollars a bottle. Oh yes, absolutely. Mm. So it's you know Zinfandel brings kind of a broad brush stroke to um, your palate. Yeah. There's boysenberry, blackberry, strawberry. Um, mm. You get a little five spice kind of there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there's a, a raisin quality, cooked stewed fruits, you know, kind of like a compote mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. Mm. Would this go with uh, like barbecued ribs? I would think so. Yeah. I'm kind of getting some of the same cherry smoke and that sort of thing yeah. out of it. Yeah. And that that smoke is definitely something that you get from a California mm. Zinfandel. Um, kind At of least a, lately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, now. <laughs> kind of the, the two main countries that have just exemplary Zinfandel, uh, California, of course, which we're enjoying now, and Italy. And you've never seen an, a Zinfandel from Italy because they call it Primitivo. Oh, okay. And it mostly um, comes from the Puglia region. And are they good? Oh, yeah. Okay. And they are value-oriented. Oh, okay. So you can go, you know, 12 15 18 $20 20 you will get a fantastic primitivo wow i made a note and um but the italians most of their primitivo goes into a sweet wine that we know of as white zinfandel oh <laughs> you know i was going to ask you about that <laughs> and uh it doesn't turn red because they take the skins away as oh, yeah. the the fermentation process begins, but uh, this is just a a lovely medium body. There's always a, at least in my background, people who said they like Zin. You know, you'd buy them a bottle of red, and they'd say, "I only I only oh, drink no. white." It's Zin. the white they wanted. It was like really <laughs> your auntie. <laughs> no, no, it was somebody I used to work with, and I I got it for a retirement gift, and she was like, "Thanks." <laughs> I'll give it to my grandson. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I think the wine industry owes a lot to White Zinfandel because I think it was a bridge wine for a lot of people who didn't drink wine. Mm-hmm. And That's it, true. And, yep. and uh, you know, turned me into a mess of an alcoholic ever since I've been drinking. <laughs> it, so. Well, you were only five. You shouldn't start that early. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so California, uh, it it comes from all the hotter growing regions, okay. the, the Napa, the Sonoma, the Paso Roblos, mm-hmm. uh, Sierra foothills has some just great, uh, Zinfandels yeah. that they produce, but probably the most famous, and I don't know, it might've been the song, uh, central Valley of California, Lodi oh. is just a wash in fantastic oh, Zinfandels. Wow. So when you're thinking of making that Napa trip, you might want to fly into Sacramento and make a yeah. day in, in Lodi and see yeah. what some Zinfandel has to You know, I love, mm-hmm. I love what wine has done for areas that were just considered, why would you ever go to Lodi? Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I've got to go. <laughs> You've just been stuck in Lodi. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Sacramento. So. <laughs> so the other kind of interesting thing about Zinfandel is it's pretty high in alcohol. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so maybe that's why it goes so well with grills because oh. that would be earlier in the day. Yeah, you've got some time. <laughs> Could happen. <laughs> um, and there's there's two very distinct styles. Um, there's the style of Zinfandel where you have a lot of red fruit and mm-hmm. spices, raspberry, sage, rose, um, and those are a little bit lighter around in the 13.5% mm. alcohol range. The ones that come in 
jammy and caramely with tons of blackberry and jam and smoke. Uh, those are going to be a little bit higher in the 15 mm. range. Wow. So we're getting up into Australia land. Yeah. <laughs> Australia wow. has some really high alcohol content. Now, is that <laughs> in their wines. because of the temperature or is that because of the way they make the it's wine? It's their style. Okay. Which so, makes sense. I yeah. Think. Yeah. They're, they're a rowdy crew. They're a rowdy crew. <laughs> they're fun. <laughs> But so these were my three suggestions oh. for the I only drink red crowd. Yes. <laughs> I love this. And, and for the other seven suggestions, <clears throat> we would encourage all our listeners to head north to Snohomish yes. if you're living in mm. the Seattle area. Uh, if you live up north of Snohomish, you want to head south <laughs> and uh, hit the Blanc and Rouge wine shop in downtown Snohomish. And we serve wines by the glass as well, so mm-hmm. you can explore. That's so fun. So fun, and you have some classes, too. There's events they can yeah, we think have about. tons of events. Um, we have a monthly hands-on wine class. Uh, April is going to be Barolo. Mm. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to miss that. No. We just did our second tour of Woodenville. We mm. went to three wineries and were in the barrel rooms tasting barrel samples. Oh, we yeah. saw, you know, wine in process. At, uh, That's fun. At the, uh, yeah, we've, yeah, those barrel samples were, I usually don't like them, but these were pretty far along and oh, they, okay. they show some dandy promise. Mm. <laughs> We went to a wine dinner one time that was a barrel tasting wine dinner. Uh-huh. This was years ago. And and it was we sort of felt at the time it didn't show well. They were young, very young, yeah, and they're so frisky. it didn't care as well. And <laughs> and of course people aren't used to tasting that, so it was all kind of like, What is this? But if yeah, you were into wine, I think that would have been a very fun have, thing. You have to get your head around a barrel sample. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the ones we tasted on Sunday were pretty well-formed. Oh, nice. um, I was totally blown away by these two winemakers. Uh, wow. Can one you at, say who they are? Uh, one at Faugeron and Chris Gorman at oh, Gorman. Oh, nice. Okay. And, um, and speaking of winemakers, Kelly, <sighs> Kelly and Tim Hightower will oh, yeah. be coming to do a dinner. Uh, oh, good. fun. So that will be the end of May. Oh, okay. Um, they're so fun. I love those guys. Kelly just makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's funny. And they being up on Red Mountain for the amount of time that they have been, they have a lot of stories. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so it's just fun to listen to them. Yeah. They've been up there, what, 15, 16 years oh, now, I think. Easily, yeah. easily. And they met at Chateau Saint-Michel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because on my way from driving from my house to Tom's, I drive by this little tiny Catholic church on the east side west side of queen anne hill and penny rawson who was a big food and wine person in the area for a long many many years told me that that's where they got married oh and so i think about kelly and tim all the time because i'm always <laughs> driving by that church where they got married <laughs> yeah we can't wait to have the it's oh. going, to, going to be a very fun evening oh, and yeah. as Funny as your story lays into the venue is at a decommissioned Catholic church. Oh, how funny. Which is privately owned and is an event space. And where is that? In Snohomish? In Snohomish. Oh, okay. So right. it's quite amazing. That's great. But 
Thank you. I hope you enjoyed oh. these wines. Oh, I loved them. And I think anybody I who goes out and we should talk. What is this called, actually? Is it Love Grenache? Yes. And the first one, and it's L-O-V-E and then G-R-N-5. So Love Grenache. Mm-hmm. And then this one, the second one that we had, the Pinot Noir? Um, it's a Joseph Druin Bourguignon Pinot okay. Noir. All right. So you have your marching orders. <laughs> Mina, thank you so much for being here today. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, let's take a little break, and when we come back, I think we've got some tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at revolvefoodwine.com. Hi, my name is Bridget. I live in Madison Valley. One of my favorite places to eat is the surrogate hostess located at Aloha and 24th on Capitol Hill. The bacon is crisp, the cinnamon rolls are awesome, and the coffee is always hot. Kind of like me. Hi, this is Amanda from Mount Townsend Creamery, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Kenny, are you awake? are back with the Seattle Dining Show, and we are just about to wind it up for April, but we always Oh, like that's a good baseball term you gave us there. Yes. I'm into that since we've been down to the um, T-Mobile Park and tried out some new new foods down there. Which and You have a new article about what's going on That'll be coming up there, in April. Good. Yes. Good. So, um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about baseball things. You're thinking about winding it up, aren't you? Winding it up with tips and tricks. <laughs> and here's the deal today from me. I have used this tip before, which is, and, and of course, we just heard this from Mina Williams about making up your own mind about wines. Mm-hmm. And I've said before, don't just listen to um, the restaurant critics. critics or friends or whoever. Um, make up your own mind about going out. But here's why I'm bringing it up again. We've been kind of amongst ourselves and, and friends teasing the Seattle Times because in the last few months, they've talked about Shake Shack 19 times. Last 180 days. Last 180 days. And the amusing thing to me is that their original review on it was really not very positive. But they keep coming back and and talking talking about about them again and again and again. So in marketing, it's kind of a rule of thumb that a human being has to hear something about seven times before they start to internalize it. So here you've got this coming up to you 19 times in 180 days, and it wasn't even something that they were crazy about. They not had even like, a local company either. You know, I mean, like local- I could understand in times I would see 19 listings of Boeing because that's news yeah. or Microsoft yeah. or something like that. But Shake Shack just some little out of town company like all these other ones. Well, you know, it's a Danny Meyer thing. Everybody's all over him, and and. Uh, I guess for me, I, I tried it down in Vegas. We talked about this one time, too, when we were down there. I tried it there before it opened here because I didn't want to stand in line here. And it was okay. It was sort of like my um, 
steak and shake experience. It was mm-hmm. okay. You know, if I walked by and I needed to eat, I'd eat in there again. But it's not anything that draws me back in. No. So this is why I say make up your own mind. You can have things being, you know, just feel bombarded about something, and it doesn't mean it's good. doesn't mean it's bad either, but that's why you have to make up your mind. You can't just kind of go with what you keep hearing over and over again. So after hearing about it 19 times, I made up my mind, I'm not going. <laughs> well, you're not going to miss anything. <laughs> there you go. We've got plenty of local burger places. Well, we've been uh, we've been working in the kitchen. We've actually been trying to perfect some pancakes here in the Seattle Dining Test Kitchen. And what I've been discovering through the process is I've been cooking them on different types of pans. And I'm finding that uh, utensils that you use with the different types of pans really make a difference. So like uh, when I try to use a nylon spatula on a cast iron skillet, uh, the pancake just sort of rumpled up and mm. wasn't really – I never put it on your plate. Let's just put yes. it that way. <laughs> and so I found out that you know, when you're working with a cast iron skillet, you want to work with a metal spatula. And uh, when you're working with something like a ceramic pan, uh, then you don't want to be putting metal into that. We all know that. And so you're going to be using your silicone-covered mm-hmm. products, maybe you know, even right down to like a whisk or, or, a, uh, or a nylon spatula, mm-hmm. something that's gentle on that. Mm-hmm. So you gotta, the, 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 the tip here today is to match your utensils with your cookware. Mm-hmm. And does it alter how long... Like if you've got a nylon, something uh, a little uh, softer in terms of a spatula, do you need to let that pancake set a little longer? Because if you do it too early, it's just going to run because you don't have a. Well, it's going to happen anyway. Okay. I mean, but uh, you get you're getting different surface type of marks mm-hmm. on a pancake that you cook in a ceramic. It's it's really hard to burn things in yeah. a ceramic pan. Yeah. Uh, whereas metal has more of those properties that allow that food to get a dark edge on it. So when you're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for what they say, when the edges turn golden, flip it, uh, you may be waiting a long time. (laughs) You're having it for lunch. You may have to wait till your house is on fire. I don't know. (laughs) All right. It is time to wrap up. Thanks for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. All right. We want you to dine out often. We want you to eat healthy at home more often. (laughs) And uh, what's this about enjoy your beverages? Yeah, enjoy your beverages. Just because you should. Responsibly. We'll see you next month on the Seattle Dining Show.